0: WCNC Charlotte, this is Flashpoint where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. North Carolina election leaders pushing for more money to help keep our democracy safe and secure. This week, the state election director asking for support from the General Assembly as North Carolina sees more voters and more work for her office. And the challenges don't stop there. Nearly half of all North Carolina counties now have a new election director and in a few minutes you'll hear from one of those newer directors and her push to protect our elections. But first, joining us now is North Carolina Elections Director Karen Brinson Bell. Karen, thanks for coming on. We should also say that you recently added a new title, Secretary of the National Association of State Election Directors. It's a big title. Congrats on that as well.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: First question, uh, the State Board of Elections faces some unprecedented challenges right now. You you do have a limited budget. You've got a lot more voters coming here to North Carolina. Uh, A record number of public record requests, significant turnover in county directors. Is your office as it currently stands sufficiently prepared for the general election in 2024?
1: You have itemized things very well. Um, The other thing I would add is that since 2017 elections across the nation have been uh, categorized as critical infrastructure, so we have added responsibilities beyond um, the uh, actual election administration processes. It's more responsibility in how we secure our elections and all of this requires funding. North Carolina is growing. Um, We've seen significant turnover in county election directors and the state's responsibility is to support that we also provide the technology tools for the counties to conduct elections, be that processing voter registration forms or checking in the voters when they come to vote or providing those election night results. All of that runs through a system that we need to modernize, so we have made some uh, significant asks to the legislature to help fund those things and to make sure that you know we continue to provide successful and uh, smooth elections for
0: North Carolinians. And what sort of response have you received from lawmakers? I mean, I probably don't have to tell you that the state does have a $3 billion surplus right now. Um, so what kind of response are you getting from them?
1: Yeah, we've had good conversations. I haven't gotten any firm commitments and that's probably what all agencies are hearing. What I'm trying to emphasize is the impact that our small asks um, really, you know, the impact that they have to the North Carolina voters. Uh, to the the constituents that they serve, and really to you know even county administration, um, there are a lot of costs in elections that the state level takes care of that does not get passed down to county government, and that's really important in you know how things are funded and and how we're able to serve people. Um, so I'm really hopeful in the overall state budget. North uh, North Carolina elections and the state Board of Elections are a very small part, and while it may seem like some significant can ask because of the size agents that we are. It's really small um, by comparison to other agencies and the overall uh, state budget.
0: Well, give us an idea. I mean, how how much of a funding increase are, are, are you looking for?
1: We're looking to um, increase our funding overall about two million dollars a year, and this would cover the cost of the the new requirements for cybersecurity and um, additional technology infrastructure that we need. In particular, um, it would also give us the personnel we need to support a growing electorate and a and growing number of election laws, um, even some things that may be on the horizon from this legislative year. And then the the other ask is really a capital improvement project that's at about $13 million to allow us to um, re you know, build out um, new election management system. Uh, that's the the software that we use again for voter registration all the way through election night results. There's about 13 modules and the counties do not pay for that, but all 100 counties use that and so do um, folks here at the State Board of Elections and that platform dates back to 1998. So it's time to modernize. We didn't even have smartphones in 1998, so you can imagine um, that it looks more like Atari than it does any kind of modern technology.
0: Why you mentioned some of the local uh, districts, why some of the turnover in local directors, and what's the challenge in getting all these folks sort of up to speed?
1: Yeah, and since uh, 2019, we've had 47 changes in county election directors, so nearly half and that is, is tr- huge. Some of this is m- substantial institutional knowledge that we're losing because many of these folks are choosing to retire after 20, 25, 30 years in the profession, but they're doing that in many cases because they've really lost the passion. Um, our profession has been under attack. We are genuinely public servants who want to s- ensure that every voter can exercise their right to vote, and yet our integrity has been questioned, and it's, it's unfortunate because these are people that you know go to the same church they've been a part of the same you know rec leagues at the ballparks or you know or in the same grocery stores and they're just carrying out the work that they know and love and do um, and then we've seen other folks leave the profession and go to the private sector um, because the demand I mean this is a, a, a profession where we give Um, You know, we sacrifice ourselves if you think about when elections take place, it means we don't get to participate in a lot of holiday activities. We miss birthdays. We miss graduations um, because we are that dedicated to what we do.
0: Tell me what sort of impact has this sort of uh, these, these threats and this sort of nude skepticism about election workers for some reason. What kind of impact has it had on you?
1: It's tough. Um, A lot of folks have asked me that and I say that, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like I've grown Teflon skin. Um, You know, what I just try to do each morning and what I've encouraged my colleagues around the state and country to do is just to remember those moments when that voter has thanked you, not the one who has criticized you. And even the one who criticizes you or threatens you you know at the end of the day my job is to ensure that they too get to exercise their right to vote but i think it's just making sure that people understand the processes and all the many checks and balances that we have in place to ensure that the things that they're questioning the, the you know the, the hate that they're throwing at us really is us carrying out our job very systematically methodically and you know in a way that it enfranchises everyone to exercise their right to vote
0: and as you said, you are neighbors. You go to the same churches, you go to the same schools, and and it's just such an odd thing that's happened uh, over the last few years. Um, With that said, I want to give you give you the opportunity to dispel any rumors. I mean, this past election, was there any widespread fraud in the state of North Carolina?
1: You know, there really is no widespread voter fraud or election fraud. We have systems in place to root that out. Am I going to say that it's perfect? It's not, Um, but you know we have the systems in place to ensure free and fair elections we test before elections to make sure everything's going to work properly and we audit after the elections. North Carolina has been at the forefront of doing post election audits since 2006. And so we have very strong confidence before we certify an election that every I has been dotted T's been crossed and that we can certify those results with confidence and know that the folks that are going to be serving us have been freely and fairly elected.
0: We mentioned your new title with the Association of State Election Directors. Um, What's happening? I know that that these elections are run on a state level, but what's happening on the national level to sort of uh, address some of the things we're talking about, about bringing back some faith and integrity and at least concern of over integrity to our election security?
1: You know just like our elections at the state and local level are run by bipartisan officials and nonpartisan election administrators this national organization is made up of state election directors from all across the country blue states red states purple states Um, and we work together to figure out how to convey a message Um, you know that that helps people understand all the the many steps that go into elections and that's really difficult. We're not made up of sound bites. Um, Conducting elections is a very complex layered process that, you know, even right now we're nine months from when candidate filing starts in North Carolina and we have tremendous preparations going into that so that we're ready for a 2024 primary and most people don't realize that. So my colleagues um, across the country and I meet with cybersecurity experts to understand how to better secure our elections we talk about processes and things that we know work or do not work um, to recruit more poll workers, for example, or to improve our technology. Um, Other states are going through things just like North Carolina, where we're needing to modernize our election information platforms, um, those computer systems and applications. And so it's a wonderful exchange, and I'm just flattered um, that my my colleagues across the country have asked me to take on a leadership role in the organization.
0: Well Karen Brinson let us thank you for the work you do and 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 thanks to the people in your office and in the county offices across the great state of North Carolina as well as all those great poll workers and volunteers who make it all possible Karen thank you absolutely thank you more Flashpoint after this WCNC Charlotte This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide, and the tough questions get asked and answered. Welcome back to Flashpoint. State election leaders pushing for more resources ahead of the upcoming election next year. And another big concern, there's been lots of turnover in county election offices. The people on the ground making sure elections happen without a snag. Joining us now, Susie Jordan. She's the director of elections in Iredell County. Susie, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you, thank you for um, for having me this morning. Absolutely. Um, so give us some indication, you've been in the job there in Idle County for, for a couple of years now. And we know from our prior interview that, that there's been a lot of turnover at the County Board of Elections across the state. What what kind of job and what kind of learning curve do you have when coming into a job like this?
2: Um, well, there is um, there is a, the learning curve from the end of uh helping to conduct the the board meetings, working with the um, with the board more closely than in my previous position. Um, And that part of it was. um, um, A great deal of my learning curve, Um, and we are a small staff here, so um, we actually help one another with any kind of task that we have, so. Um, that, that helps as well as, um, as, as I, when I stepped into the, the position.
0: Gotcha, the, the, the state director um, asking for millions and more in funding um, every single year. In, in Iredell County specifically, what is your gre- greatest need right now?
2: Um, I would say our greatest need is we are growing at a rate uh, for registered voters anywhere from 5 to 8%. We are um, over 136,000 registered voters, and so our greatest need right now is we are having difficult uh, finding polling locations within our precincts. Um, we and, and that that has been a great uh, that, has, that has really been a challenge. For us, as well as across the state, in in talking with other directors, um, we are currently not in any of the schools in our system, um, and we we've been in talks with them again, um, possibly being able to go back into some of the schools. But that has been our greatest challenge: is that as we are growing and we have 29 precincts, we're looking to split one of our largest precincts, so we were. We're looking at going into having 30 precincts, and just finding those finding those polling locations to um, to have our elections on election day.
0: What about technology and software? Do you feel like your your equipment is up to date, or is it time for a, a refresher?
2: Um, yes, we we are up to date. We um, we have we're making a change going forward with um, on election day with the going with the overt system with uh, with the state. So we will be implementing that this coming um, October election. Um, but otherwise we, yes, we, we are up to date. We're, we're in good shape with that.
0: You come into this job at an interesting time um, in American history as far as uh, th- there's been threats to election workers across the country. Um, there's been a shift in how some people view our, our election workers. Uh, What's it been like for you um, as a person I know who who cares about your local elections and want them carried out as they always are with some integrity?
2: Um, One thing that I want people to know is that our election workers, they are, you know, they're the people that you go to church with. They're the people that you see in the grocery store. They're your neighbors and we have been so very blessed in this county that our average Um, um, our average election worker has been with us anywhere from from 10 to 15 years. Um, They they like what uh, in helping and so we we have very little turnover with our core um, election workers and um, so uh, we've been very fortunate in in that respect. Um, and you know, I, I, see us going forward with, um, with the same, with the same group of individuals.
0: You feel like our County is ready for the 2024 election?
2: We are getting there. We are preparing now. We have our municipal elections, um, this this year, but yes, we are already in gear preparing for 2024. We're setting up our training dates. We are looking to to see um we, we've moved around some in our office to accommodate 2024. So we are we are preparing
0: already. Like a lot of cities, there's municipal election this year and then there's the, the general and, and national election next year in 2024. All right. Yes. Susie Jordan, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Take care. More flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Beyond Open bills itself as an opportunity for small businesses to build, grow, and expand here in Charlotte. But the highly touted grant program denied 95% of those that applied in the first round. And the 5% that did secure grants, we've learned several are connected to the program's advisory council. Now, our Nate Morbido is taking questions straight to the head of the program. Secretary of State filing suggests one of the grantees
3: is actually ineligible, not based here, but rather Mooresville. That company has not received its money yet. And now that we pointed out the discrepancy, may not get the grant after all. But Beyond Open Charlotte stands behind every other selection. Joyce St. Cyr may be a number cruncher. I love seeing people build on their dream and get excited. But at her core, the accountant is all about the relationships she's built with her clients. When they win, I'm winning. Small business owners just like her. I know the struggle. When I first started, I couldn't even buy gas in my car. I couldn't even buy lunch. That's why when she learned about Beyond Open Charlotte, she didn't just apply. I was very hopeful. She encouraged others to do the same. I really put in the work, and it took me a couple of weeks to get everything together. Most received rejection letters. It was very disappointing discouraging. All as the program... Take a look at this approved grants for multiple members of its advisory council. It just supports that it's who you know. It isn't about uh, relationships or who knows who or special connections. Tracy Russ is with Foundation for the Carolinas, the organization tasked with overseeing the Wells Fargo funded program. We decided to separate completely advisory council members from the grant review process, from the decision making process. Russ says they made the deliberate decision to allow the same voices who serve on the advisory council to apply for and receive grants. It would in some ways be be incongruous of us to ask for their guidance and wisdom and uh, to leverage their trust in the community on behalf of a program that they're, they're disallowed from participating in. Russ says an independent team whose members were not eligible to apply for grants, reviewed all applications and then selected grantees based on how they scored against the program criteria with priority given to those within or next to Charlotte's six corridors of opportunity. Are you comfortable with the optics? There are a number of levels of safeguards. If you will, we're mindful of the optics. The end goal a fair process meant to boost economic mobility for diverse small business owners. We need to work very, very hard to make sure that people believe in the process they're participating in. Perception becomes even more of a focus when there's increased competition for limited money. Beyond open received nearly three times more applications than originally expected. I was very excited. Among those grateful for the support is Michelle Ashley, a Charlotte native who opened Buzz City Bar and Grill a year ago on Beatty's Ford Road.
2: I was affected by this area when I was a kid being raised here, so I wanted to be a part of the solution here.
3: Her existing relationships coupled with a coveted Beyond Open grant.
2: I got 20000
3: her hope that she can overcome her business's early challenges. I was struggling. And remain a mainstay for the long haul. I plan to be here f- until I can't be here no more. <laughs> While she's optimistic, I'm not sure. Joyce St. Cyr, if I would say betrayed, but I know misled, is still looking for the right words. This was a lifeline for so many individuals. For every small business owner and nonprofit that received money, another 17 did not. With a second round expected to open later this year, St. Cyr wonders if it's even worth applying again. I don't think any one of us wants to really put the effort again. And based on her relationships, she knows she's not the only one who feels that way. Russ says they know business owners want feedback, improved support, and more time to prepare the best grant application possible. In response, he says they plan on holding workshops and question and answer seminars to meet that need in the near future. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte.
0: More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back, folks. Come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if there's something you want to talk about here on Flashpoint, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.